0: Well, hello and welcome to the Theotivity Podcast. I'm so glad that you've joined us for today's episode. I'm really excited for today's episode because you get to be a little bit of a fly on the wall. I guess a fly on the car uh, with a conversation that I had with one of my best friends, Tristan. uh, And we're talking about a really important topic of weakness in men particularly weakness or the problem of weak men in churches and just Christian men as well and this is a very important and pertinent topic to our day and I think this conversation will have a lot of good insights uh, for those who want to listen in to glean from now we're still figuring out the bugs of all of this of recording while driving and so on so I do apologize for some of the audio quality of some bits of this episode did my best to process it well uh, but I think it's understandable and hope you'll bear with me because the content I think it's great so without any further ado and you know knowing that as we do this more and more lord willing we'll be improving on the quality of these audio recordings uh, let me jump into it now the theotivity podcast theotivity is the place where theology and creativity come together here you'll find audio narration of articles episodes exploring the faith Culture, the arts, and media, systematic theology, apologetics, guest interviews with Christian thinkers, creatives, pastors, theologians, and much more. At Theotivity.com, you'll find articles and resources to help you grow in your faith, as well as a portfolio of creative works. Like, share, and subscribe to stay up to date on the latest content.
1: What's up, man? What's up? Thanks for having (laughs) me on, man. This has been a long time coming.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to the, more of these. Uh, I don't know. We're, we're thinking of calling it maybe TNT, Tristan and Tad, you know, because there's going to be some dynamite doctrine. But uh, Tristan, stuff up?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> But Tristan's actually right now um, recording from his car. So this is uh, maybe theology in traffic. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dude, it's going to be interesting. You're going to hear some yeah. sounds, but it's good. It's good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, don't crash on anything. But, um, but yeah, we were thinking about, you know, different topics that we could cover, uh, just like as, you know, casual sort of conversations about theology between two friends. And I, I know for me, that's that's one of the ways that I learned is just being a fly on the wall to conversations between people. So mm-hmm. um, I hope that the listeners would benefit from this. You know, sometimes it's just helpful to hear two other people just wrestle through something, right? Um, yeah. I think today's topic is going to be really interesting uh, that we're going to talk through i don't know where we're going to go necessarily with it um but the, today's topic is uh is manhood right and just you know where all the godly men at right mm. um you want to say something to that Chris? like in terms of w- what i had in mind to talk about today
1: yeah yeah um well again this i'm 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 also excited and i too i'm not sure where this is going to end up but i'm sure it'll be fruitful um yeah i uh, i that's that's the that's the question right is uh, where are the, where the men at and why they're so weak <laughs> is, this, is essentially the, the question at hand. And mm. yeah, so just, just, you know, some ideas as to um, maybe some contributing factors and, and what's mm. happened and where we're headed and maybe even what we can do uh, about that. So Sure. Well,
0: maybe before we jump into solutions, let's define the problem properly. Uh, what do you mean by like, you know, or what do we mean? by you know men today are weak like is it men in general are we talking about christian men men in the church and and what do we mean by weak you wanna maybe take a stab at that
1: yeah yeah um i would say what we well first of all i think uh i think men both in and out of uh christendom um at large i think there's a a an issue with, uh, effeminate men, men abdicating responsibility, uh, from ranging from abdicating responsibility all the way to, you know, entering into the, the LGBTQIA world, um, mm-hmm. men acting as women, men, not simply just acting as men, um, men being afraid of certain things, whatever, uh, certain, certain thing might be, if you will, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I think that there's there's a there's a wide range of what I mean by weak, but I think even for today, and we can even branch a little bit into outside of the church, but my focus really today would be for men inside of the church. Mm. Mm. So then, okay, if we're saying like, you know, that there's a problem of weak
0: men in the church, I think we need to also define like what is it like what because it's implying that something's not as it should be. So what should be like what's the art? You know, what's the the positive side of it, like what is the goal that we should be, uh, seeing seeking as men, which is you know, what, what would a strong man be as opposed to a weak man? You know,
1: hmm. yeah, um, I would say, I would say, like, how, how I would answer that question is simply by defining masculinity mm-hmm. in maybe a very, very, very simple phrase. Uh, I would probably define masculinity as being like God, um. Now, uh, I think what I, what I would say, what I mean by that is from Genesis chapter one, where we're called uh, the image of God. We're made in the image of God and his likeness. Mm. Um, and I mean, we see what God is like, even in the opening pages of, of scripture. I mean, he had just spent, you know, six days, um, you know, exercising, uh, governing mastery. Over creation, speaking the world into existence and taking dominion. Mm. And so, um, the fact that man is identified as, as image um, fundamentally, I think, means that man is solemnly uh, obligated to imitate God, um, mm. in that the way we image God is by taking uh, dominion. And so, mm. that is an area in which I see, um, in particular, uh, in, in I guess, in one sense, um, where weakness can begin is simply not even knowing uh, mm. how we were made in image of God, what that even means. Uh, and So on. So, so yes. yeah. Does that, make, does that make sense? Yeah. But what about, uh,
0: you know, the women, right? Cause uh, it, you know, it says in Genesis one that he made them in, Im- in his image, right? There's both the man and the woman. Right. So like, I agree, like, you know, there's, there's the, the aspect of men imaging uh, mm. God, but also like on the, 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 f- the, the feminine side. Right. Uh, they Absolutely. also are image bearers and, and, and will image God in their own way. Right. So how is that distinct?
1: Yeah. So I think both of us are called to uh, fill the earth and subdue. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that the two play a role together in that, in that, in that, in that part specifically, even is just filling the earth mm-hmm. and subduing it. And I think that the two combined, I uh, would necessarily complete the image bearerness in, in men and that, the woman was a helpmeet designed to be with the man to help him complete uh, the work that God has given him. And so mm. I think the two take dominion, uh, specifically so in that aspect, as the uh, woman helps complete the man and helps him in his mission necessarily.
0: Mm. Yeah. So you've used that word uh, a bunch, like dominion. Uh, what do we mean actually by take dominion? Because I actually had an incident happen to me this week, actually, with somebody misunderstanding what I meant by. You know, that we're meant to take dominion um, and to exercise dominion over all the earth. Like they kind of confuse that with actually heretical groups understanding um, this sort of like word of faith, prosperity, gospel. You know, these guys from the New Apostolic Reformation that have like their seven mountain mandate that they think like there's these seven mountains and culture that they have to take over. For, you know, basically to take over the world, right? <laughs> this is like actual right. pinky in the brain kind of thing. Yeah, um, that's that's not <laughs> what we mean, right? Like, uh, what do we mean actually biblically no. by take dominion?
1: Yeah, no, good question. So I, I I don't know all about about all that, but I think <laughs> in it in its simplest form, I think d- just dominion being exactly what you said. It's mm-hmm. uh, ruling over creation uh, in mm-hmm. God's stead. It's it's being. Godly stewards um, of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that, I think, in its simplicity, that's what I would say dominion is. Um, yeah, it's, it's, one it's, one
0: it's one of the theologians that follow like he, he calls it being God's vicegerents. Mm. And, but he has a way cooler, like, you know, English accent when he says it.
1: <laughs> oh, yes, yes, I think I know who you're talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, others, I mean, call it like, you know, vice regents. And it's just the concept that, yeah, like God has given us like delegated authority, basically, um, right. that we, we rule in his place, that we take them in, that we subdue the earth Is the biblical language. Right. And mm. I think like the confusion that a lot of people have with that is they think, you know, dominion as like something that's aggressive or like, you know, violent. Uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's like subjugation, like forcibly. Right. But well, that's, that's not what it's talking about.
1: But that would be more so domination as opposed to right. dom- dominion. And Mm -hmm. those are, those are two different things. Like we're not here to take things, something by force because it's, Mm -hmm. we don't, what, what are we taking by force that, which was delegated to us? Like we, that doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We,
0: and and that's, that's also one of the, I think the, the distortions in manhood, right. Is that men, instead of taking dominion, like dominate. Mm. Right. And that's like a distortion of what the godly mandate is actually for men, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, we we don't even see that from, from Christ himself. Like when you look through mm-hmm. the gospels, I mean, Christ himself spoke the earth into existence. And yet when he's here in creation, he subjects himself to humanity. Uh, he mm-hmm. doesn't just take, like he doesn't just start to dominate over everything. Mm-hmm. Um, like, and even though it's rightfully his, even mm-hmm. at the, even at the great commission, mm-hmm. at that point. At that proper point in time, he now declares all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And so even though we know already where we have the whole book, so we already know prior to him and his incarnation that all Mm -hmm. things belong to him, all things were made through him, for him, but by him. Um, But he doesn't come in here and start to dominate. We see something Mm -hmm. very, very different. Uh, But anyway, as a side note.
0: (laughs) No, it's a good side note, good clarification too, right? Because we want to make sure that we're, we're being understood well. So let's, let's bring the conversation back to like what we had said up front, you know, this problem of weak men in the church. And, you know, you kind of put your, your finger on it as like, you know, men are not fulfilling that uh, creational mandate to take dominion um, in their particular role. You know, we we noted, noted that, you know, both the man and the woman image God in their own particular ways. Uh, let's talk a little bit more now about like, what is this problem of weak men? Like, Like if you were to define the problem, like what does it mean that they're, they're weak? Or that there's this problem of weakness um, in Christian men. And again, we're talking in generalities, obviously. If you're a yeah. Christian man out there who is like, you know, killing it, then, you know, <laughs> don't take offense that we're talking in in generalities
1: here. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. And I think I'll start by saying, first of all, that mm-hmm. um, I think that in like this side of eternity, we're all weak. I just want to say that because I don't want to communicate this in such a way that there is only such categories as weak and non-weak i Mm -hmm. think that we're we're all weak because we're still susceptible to sin and so i just want to put that out there first and foremost but moving on with the conversation i think that what how i would characterize or characterize someone that is weak is one simply uh that is indeed abdicating their god-given responsibility so uh not doing the that scripture outlines for a man Uh, like i mean you know the famous prophet priest and king or prophet priest provider protector for a man etc like those one that's not walking or even working towards those things um, in in his uh masculinity one that doesn't work at all one who is kind of nursing on everything the state has to offer or mooching off of mom and dad for a long time. Like there's just so many different ways in which we can talk about this, but I think the, some of the categories that I was thinking about, and I don't know if this is a good time to bring it up. Should I, or what do you think?
0: <laughs> Go for it, man.
1: Well, I, I, just in terms of contributors, right. Like mm. contributors to this, like I, so I, it's kind of an alliterated, uh, kind of an approach. So, um, I have environmental as a category. Mm. I have uh, ecclesiastical as mm. another category, and I have eschatological as another category.
0: Nice, I like that. Okay, e- expound on that because that that has got me curious. I like I like those. In- <laughs> okay, so environmental, ecclesiastical, and and eschatological.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, nice. Um, sounds like I- a sermon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, environmental. So, I mean, mm-hmm. we we all know like. Right now, we're we're facing cultural Marxism as an idea, and just for a quick, I know, man, I, we, I, we might not all know this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, for but for, this is a topic for, I'm gonna I'm gonna be hitting on the podcast later. So, okay, cool. Well, I'm yeah. I won't get into it too much, but just for a quick, very quick, brief, I guess, definition of cultural Marxism would be uh, cultural cultural Marxism is this like radical leftist revolutionary idea that. Says that traditional culture is oppressive to modern culture. Okay. Mm. So, um, when we, so for if we're, if we're looking at cultural Marxism as oppressors and oppressed, then that means that creational ideas mm-hmm. uh, about masculinity, about sexuality, about identity, all those things are on trial. Right. Mm. I mean, and we, we see that in. Some pretty blatant and brazen ways on social media, um, in our movies, in our music, etc. The expression of sexuality is just out there. But um, with, when it, when it, so when, yeah. it, when I say environmental, that's a,
0: real, that's a real trend in like that whole cultural Marxism movement, right? Is is to undermine the anything that's considered normative, right? Uh, what or what's considered the majority? Of what they would call a hegemony, right? Like they. The, the thing that's in power. So whether that's like, you know, white straight males, uh, who hold, you know, what they perceive as all power within society and in governance and so on, or even in terms of like sexuality, they would see uh, heterosexuality as being that normative thing that needs to be deconstructed, taken down, um, in order to achieve this, this radically egalitarian sort of, um, uniformity, uh, in their idea of uh, utopia. I know that's a lot of Different words. that I'll probably have to explain at a, another point, but <laughs> uh, maybe not on this podcast. I'll, I'll definitely have that that one queued up though. I think we should probably even talk about it because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree. That whole cultural Marxism is a trend within our societies that a lot of Christians and Christian men in particular are not aware of and are taken captive
1: unknowingly sometimes. Yeah, that that's so good, man. And I, I would agree. Like the the they're just they're not aware. And thus, susceptible even more so to fall prey mm. to ideas of feminism or the Christian version egalitarianism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. And and where where we just our our life goal is suddenly just seeking to uh, live to please my wife as if she were uh, Lord and Savior as as, mm. as an idea, right? Um, right? But that's not. Yeah, well, that's, and that's yeah. that's that's like where the idolatry comes
0: in, right? Because there's nothing wrong with wanting to please your wife like we should want to right you know serve our wives that's part of like our mandate as well as as men right it's to lead on our life for our wives and so on but you're talking more like in terms of like a a slavish sort of you know yeah. you're, you're idolizing this woman or being i guess just dragged along
1: yeah absolutely so like even even just to fl- flesh it out just like a, a little bit more um, the idea of, so we hear, we hear all the times the term servant leadership, mm. right? And, and it, and it's a, it's a nice term. If you understand what is actually supposed to be meant by servant leadership and what most men think is this idea that, Oh, I'm a servant leader. So that must mean I lead in finding out ways in which my I serve her. And that's not actually mm-hmm. what servant leadership is. Yes, the Lord calls us to serve and he calls us to lead. But I think, mm-hmm. the ser- I think the better way to understand it is we serve God by leading our wives. And I think that's more mm-hmm. of a better way to understand the idea of the servant leadership uh, identity of a man. Because men were created to lead and mm-hmm. women were created to be led, in essentially speaking, when we look at just the created order. No, that doesn't mean we don't serve them. That is Mm -hmm. obviously encompassed in that. I mean, look at Ephesians 5. Uh, We're Mm -hmm. called to love our wives as Christ of the church. And Jesus came to serve and not be served. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, of course, we are called to serve. But that is not the sum total of a man's job. Because essentially, if all he's Mm -hmm. doing is serving, at what point does he start leading and protecting and providing? Right. Um,
0: Yeah, even Jesus's uh, service towards the church is not without commands, not without instruction and clear direction, right? Of this is the way to go and this is where we're going and this is what we're doing. So, you know, I think like part of that too is like having a plan and taking initiative, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Knowing the goal to which you're trying to move things towards and giving really clear, uh, concrete steps towards that, right? Like men need to, I think, take that up a little bit more instead of, I think a big problem is the passivity. Is the, you know, not taking that initiative to, to figure out, okay, what is it that God has called me and, you know, uh, particularly our family and how I lead the family in that in terms of, you know, for the work for the kingdom, in terms of family worship, in terms of our obligations towards church, towards all the different other spheres that we're involved with. Uh, you know, my, my work, society as a whole, my city, my neighborhood, all those things. I think like men need to think in terms of, okay, pray, prayerfully, obviously, and together with their wives what is God calling me to in, in these particular things and then be specific, Mm -hmm. not like have an end goal in sight basically, and then make concrete plans towards getting there. That's part of what a leader does. And, you know, I I think like the sort of servant leadership that's, that's always just wanting to be led basically, right. is not actually leadership. It's getting the leadership part of the servant, servant leader like wrong. Right. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. That's such a good point, bro. I, I, uh, that and that's something that I talk about often mm. with guys is this this issue of passivity and and that's something that has plagued our time now like huge. Mm. um And I honestly think that passivity actually reverses the cultural mandate because mm. th- think about it, if you're passive, then you begin to allow your circumstances and life changes push you around and take dominion over you as opposed to the opposite, hmm. right? Uh, and and that's, that's not what we're called to. Hmm. Like, since when do circumstances, like, I understand there are circumstances that do exist in which you cannot control. But if your circumstances are controlling you simply because of passivity, you failed, hmm. right? you you failed. You can't allow, especially when there's things that you can plan for, right? And that's the thing is what you're saying. Have lost the art of planning remember that old saying proper preparation prevents poor performance yeah we need (laughs) need to start we need to start preaching that again yeah yeah lack the the for some reason they've been built Mm. with a capacity for it but they lack the capacity for some odd reason
0: Mm. Uh, well i think that's part of like our our sinfulness right like the the fallenness like the fall affects the two sexes differently and i think part of what our our as men, uh, our our sinful nature will cause us to struggle with is actually that passivity. Yeah. And I see that actually even played out right at the fall. So at Genesis three, we're all focused on Eve and her eating off the fruit and interacting with the the serpent. But where was Adam? He was right next to her. Mm, (laughs) Right? Like the text that and and then she gave it to her husband who was with her. So this guy is just standing around like watching a snake deceive his wife and not doing anything. So, you know, passivity there is even like part of the fall, I, I believe. Uh, and, you know, so I think it sometimes can feel like a monumental sort of task to, to men. Like, where do I begin? Right. Like, it, you, you know, you're saying that I'm passive, but like, give me some concrete points on what do I do? What would you say to a guy like that?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I would say, first of all, um, I, and maybe first of all, if you're not in a good church, find a good church um, and surround yourself with godly men uh, and men that will point you uh, to the scriptures and and outline for you um, what God expects of you uh, as a man. Right. Mm. Um, I don't, I don't think it's rocket science. I, I think it's, it's really that simple. Like we need a fraternity as, as men, mm. right. A brother was made for, for times of adversity. And I think that as much as, and here's the thing too, it's that when, when, when God, Proclaims that it's not good for men to be alone. Um, he was talking about Eve, of course, a, a woman. I also think it's equally true, not having that brotherhood um, where we we uphold each other, we encourage each other, we keep each other accountable, we spur each other on, we rebuke each other when necessary. Um, that's that's just as important in in a, in a man's life. So, like, I mean, it's one thing for a man to be married and and what what have you, but I, I, I don't think that's the sum total. I think he, he, he requires, his life requires um, good, strong, uh, strong, godly men. Look at the relationship between David and Jonathan, right? They had each other's back. Um, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They had each other's back. And so I, I think that, but then when it comes to your relationship with your brother's you need to get some good brothers uh, that'll help you in, in life. So anyway. Well,
0: I think part of the challenge with that too is like men were tempted always to go the path of least resistance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it takes, it takes a, a certain amount of character to seek out those brothers who will give you that hard word, right? And to stick with it. You know, I, I've walked now with like several different guys and sometimes like, you know, you're good up until you give them like that, that tough word, you know, that tough love. Um, mm-hmm. And that's really, I think, the point at which it, it tests the middle of the man, right? Uh, are you able and are you wanting that, like, to be challenged to, in order to grow? And not in a way that's, like, you know, cutting you down, obviously, but, like, to have brothers who are willing to give you faithful wounds so that you could grow, you know? Um, yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I've appreciated about our friendship is that, like, I know Tristan's going to tell it to me straight, right? <laughs> and, like, and we can have that level of trust and love for one another that you can speak freely and not be walking on eggshells, but like, tell me what I need to hear, right? Like, and, and vice versa, that I'm not afraid to tell you, hey, man, you need to buck up on this. Like, you know, mm. you know, this is, this is an area that I see weakness in and we need to help each other in that.
1: Yeah. I would say for me, man, like, uh, like it's the same. Cause I think I would say that that was, that's been probably one of the most valuable and treasured aspects of a relationship that, Mm-hmm. we can we've we've been so open with each other we've been so uh forward and 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 that's been so helpful because it's sharpened me over the the decade that we've that we've known each other mm-hmm. and i i can recall times where i would call you and be like bro um i i think I I think I need someone to talk some sense into me. That's why I'm here. (laughs) You know, like just so I I can remember times over the years where I've, I've said that and um, you're like, okay, what's going on? And we just, we just get into it and you just, Mm. you weren't, you weren't afraid. And, and that's what it is, man. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Right. But many are the kisses of an enemy. And I think Mm. even the passage before that is, you know, uh, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Mm. Right. And and that's, that's been something where I think we've, Um,
0: And that's the thing, man, like men, like we, we all struggle with like our egos. Right. And, you know, the, the, the kisses of the enemy, you know, so to speak, or like Mm. the, you know, the, the, the flattering lips, they, they they stroke our ego, Mm. but that's not always what we need. In fact, I'd say like a lot of times that's not what we need.
1: (laughs) No, I think we're, we're, we're quite capable of doing enough of that on our own. I think we need someone to uh, knock us <laughs> down a few notches. So. <laughs> self-love? Yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think there's any shortage of that for most men anyways, so. Mm. Well, you know, it's <laughs> interesting
0: that there's, there's this whole like self-love sort of movement and stuff. And, you know, Paul says that that's a sign of the days being evil, right? That mm. uh, in, in you know, they I believe he's talking about the last days of the Old Covenant age. But He says in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves. That's the first thing on the list. hmm Right? that's the yeah. first thing on the list, and that's the thing that our culture like elevates, right? Oh, you gotta love yourself, you gotta look out for number one, you gotta self care, you know, you gotta, and it's so inward focused.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say that's definitely an expression of humanism, where we elevate ourselves above God mm. um, and say that we we trump God. What I feel, what I want, what I say, what lie I make, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not you, God, it's me. Yeah, um, and that's that's I would say that's the epitome of. Of humanism right there. <laughs> so, yeah, man,
0: like we talked a, a good bit about, I think, some of the environmental sort of factors that lead to weakness in, in men and, and masculinity, you know, godly masculinity within the church. Uh, is there anything else you want to just add to that? I know, like, we could probably go off on a uh, whole rant on this uh, for a whole two hour long episode uh, because there's so many environmental factors that play on men. But uh, I want to give you the last word here before we move on to our next section.
1: Yeah, uh, I, would, I would say, man, honestly, guys, gentlemen, men uh, who are listening, and even women um, that may be listening to this as well, please, please, please just look, look around you at our, 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 what's going on in culture. Look at the areas that right now culture is attacking and it's what what culture what current culture and society is attacking our creational normatives when it comes to uh, mm. the, the the creational family, biblical sexuality, biblical mm. headship and patriarchy and stuff like that. Look around you, and you'll see what the culture understands to be important to the Christian. And mm. we need to we need to sharpen ourselves uh, in these areas and 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 understanding and be ready to defend and and not even just to defend part of your defense. Uh, a natural apologetic is just living as biblically based Christians, right? <laughs> it's it's, it's yeah. that's not a secret, and yeah, and so I just want to encourage all your listeners, man, to 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 do that, to to really pay mm. attention to what's going on in society and our culture. And then do the opposite.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I go a, a, a little bit different with that. I'd say, like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. Like, you know, men need to, to wake up and see, like, the dangers. But the thing is, like, you won't be able to do that, un- like, unless you have a biblical world to help you to discern those things. And I think that's that's perhaps even upstream from what you're talking about that you need b- better biblical literacy. You
1: know, Amen.
0: Be like a warrior in the word, man. Like, you need to know your sword. Um, because like, it's kind of like the whole analogy of like, you know, how do you spark counterfeit, right? you got to be really, really familiar with the real deal.
1: Yeah. Um, and I
0: think like, there's so many different, like lies and distortions out there in our culture. You can't like men, especially if you have families, you you don't have time to like read up on every single thing going on in culture. Mm -hmm. But if you're familiar with a thing that's true, it'll like, it'll give you like an instinct that you'll be like, Oh, I don't know exactly what's off with that, but something's off. And that only comes with just like being saturated with God's word.
1: Yeah, I would agree, man. Um, I do know a really good podcast. It's called Theotivity. Um, <laughs> that's going to be touching on a lot of these issues. <laughs> I don't
0: know, man. I got to check that out. Uh,
1: I, I think I might have to invent that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's, good. that's
0: good. All right, cool. Well, Let's let's continue on to our, to our next uh, two. You said it was, you know, environmental. Uh, we touched a little bit on that. Next is going to be ecclesiastical and then eschatological. So yes, let's, let's keep going.
1: Yes, yes. So um, I have been you know, I've been doing some thinking about this, and you know, you know me well enough that when I start thinking, it could be dangerous. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, but honestly, I, I think there, there are plenty of things that can be said, and I, and I obviously want to be careful and gracious with what I say here. Because we're we're dealing with like brothers in general. And when I I say what I say, like I don't have any one particular person or peoples in mind, but just from general observation experience throughout my life in church. But I think when it comes to the ecclesiastical, or ecclesiastical ecclesiastical, like government being an issue of why Christian men in particular are just being bred as weak these days it, it, it has to do a lot with, with yeah, with our church government, our, our, our leaders in general, um, not across the board, mind you. Uh, but I do think that uh, there is a shortcoming um, when it comes to the discipleship of older men to young men, um, mm-hmm. starting with our elders. Um, I know for myself, um, even if I, as I look back, like I didn't grow up in church, although my family started going to church when I was young. Like I did, I wasn't, I, so let me rephrase. I wasn't saved the entire time going to church. Mm. Um, and I, I wasn't, I didn't actually get saved until I was 17. Um, Although I started going to church when I was about six or seven. <clears throat> and, and you know, my, my, my mom wasn't saved. My dad was, I didn't really receive much instruction at a young age from my dad. Whether it be because of a lack of biblical literacy or what have you, I don't really know. Mm-hmm. all of the ins and outs there. But that's generally the case for a lot of people's circumstances just from a home base. Uh, but when even but when it comes to when I got saved, as an example, there wasn't really much men around to demonstrate to me what it mean, meant to be a, a godly man, what that entailed. Um, I didn't receive much pastoral instruction in certain things. There was one in particular uh, that I remember, a gentleman uh, from the States who was here and, uh, he was one of many men that I knew, but the one in particular, and I stress the one that really stepped out of, uh, out of where he was to disciple me, the one guy. And he mm-hmm. was, and he's the one that I knew the least for the shortest amount of time in the church that I was going to at the time in Orangeville. And, uh, like he, luckily, like he went to, uh, J Max seminary, master seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, so he's one of his graduates and. He became the youth pastor at the church that I was attending back, back in the day. And he mm-hmm. took us through uh, Jerry Bridges book, uh, uh, pursuit of holiness. it was my first nice. Christian book I ever read. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> it was really challenging. And to see a man demonstrate after so many years being in the church, I, I didn't know mm-hmm. what, what I, I wasn't familiar with this type of, of manly care, spiritually in, 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 biblically speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he did this, like it, it was different to me, but yet I was receptive. I didn't realize how hungry I was until I started going through this material with this gentleman <clears throat> and I'm forever grateful. But really? my, my fear is, as we, as we progressed, like, I mean, that was, that was years ago. And as we've progressed now, um, here I am, I'm going to be 37 next week. Can you believe that? Hmm. And, uh, <laughs> I get an old oh, boy. Yeah, boy. Uh, you and me both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have a year on me too eh? yeah bro. <laughs> but but uh but as I as I look now I look mm. around and I kind of you know survey the landscape of um you know the the type of Christian men we have around us like there's a lot of uh adolescent Christians and not enough yeah. uh spiritually mature men in general mm-hmm. that are looking to uh disciple these young men to train them um what it means to be a godly man like not only are a lot of guys not receiving spiritual instruction at home but then they're not receiving it from older brothers in the church let alone Mm -hmm. from even our own elders and as far as i know i i see that you know it's it's even commanded in scripture to to Mm -hmm. for the for the those as elders to do this as an example to the believers and there's not much demonstration Mm -hmm. um you know there's not much community life and so on but before i say anything else like like am i off base here like and what are your thoughts
0: no yeah i agree uh i think that's a a big issue in a lot of churches and again we're, we're generalizing obviously but yeah like men need other men to to look to uh, that, that's uh, i always tell like uh, young guys that i'm walking with uh this, that a lot of uh, godly manhood is caught rather than taught and uh, mm-hmm. we need those examples to look to. Like that's how a young boy look like figures out what does it you know mean to be a man. He looks at his dad usually, uh, in mm-hmm. an ideal situation, right? And in in cases especially where there isn't a, a healthy father figure in the home, um, you find that young men are just struggling to figure out well, what does manhood look like because we're designed a certain way. We've got strengths. We've got you know ambition, um, <laughs> and uh, oftentimes if those two are uh, are combined with a lot of free time and no direction that could lead to a lot of destruction Um, and you see that happening um, both within and without the church and i think something that you said before was interesting that you know you didn't know you needed it until like that 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 gentleman started to walk with you you know and that's i think Mm -hmm. a lot of young men as well like you know they don't know what they need until it's kind of given to them so this whole idea of like waiting until young men you know, take the initiative themselves. There'll be the rare cases that would do something like that. But for the most part, they don't know because they don't know what they need, right? Um, So they don't even know what to go look for, right? But they just feel like there's something missing. And this I think, also one of the reasons why you'll see um, in certain contexts, young men just gravitate towards gangs and so on because that's almost supplementing for them what they're not getting uh, from a father figure in the home or within the Mm. church.
1: Yeah. Actually, you know what? You, you, you nailed it just now, bro. Like, um, cause I, so my, my, my life growing up, like I grew up in some pretty rough neighborhoods and I myself found myself in that exact situation when I was 16, mm-hmm. 15, 16 years old, found myself in a gang all the while still going to church. This is, and this is before, yeah, before I got saved, I was 17, mm-hmm. but you know, for a year or two, I'm running with these gangs and, uh, just finding meaning and identity with these other guys. Like we, it was just, uh, uh, these, these were, this was my brotherhood, mm-hmm. right? I, I, I found some source or sorry, right out source, but rather some sense of meaning belonging, even mm-hmm. if it was a, a, a destructive direction, I had direction, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, your and your so manhood, if, it
0: needed to be um, given direction, right? Like, and yeah. it'll either be given healthy direction or unhealthy direction, right? It's inevitable. And I think like our culture tends to, to stray away from embracing the fact that, okay, guys are guys and are built a certain way. Like manhood is a... Is a implicitly different thing to f- femininity and womanhood right um mm. that there's actual distinction between the genders and, but that also means that the there needs to be distinct uh, instruction and guidance on how do we now steward our manliness how do we steward our manhood you know
1: yeah that's so true yeah and I, I think i think like along with that so like you said earlier just even touching back to what i said like i didn't know i needed mm. x kind of uh development, encouragement, uh, pouring into, et cetera. And that most young men there you have the rare occasion would actually go seeking that out. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is, but this is again, just uh, uh, like a, like a, a domino effect where if you have an earlier generation of men who can be passive and complacent, but yet they have the, the knowledge and the wisdom to know that this kind of these kind of re- discipleship relationships need to exist, that they're necessary for mm-hmm. the growth and development of young men. And they don't go out of their way either. Like, it's just, it's a recipe for disaster. Like we're leaving people to fend for themselves. Like not even, not even lions do that kind of thing. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like they, 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 they teach, they teach uh, their young how to hunt, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, they don't leave them to them. So they don't wait until, you know, the, 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 the cubs or the, 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 a teenage lion comes to to you know dad to say teach me to hunt like it's just something they start doing at a certain mm-hmm. age they start essentially discipling them educating them on this is what lions do right yeah. you know like they, they now, I, learn it I, from somewhere I,
0: I wouldn't push the lion <laughs> metaphor too far because uh, like in, in a pride the the alpha so, male will actually try to kill like the the younger uh yeah, yeah, male yeah, yeah. lions <laughs> so yeah but this i get is, what you're saying like attract. you know yeah, this yeah. is this is something that needs to happen, and it doesn't yeah. just happen automatically. And I think like there is a, a a need for especially older, mature men in the church to to be on the lookout for these young men that are in our church that are without any significant uh, guidance in their life to to show them, okay, this is how you steward your manhood, this is how you become a godly man, um, yeah. because they're not gonna look for it. Like <laughs> they're still young fools, and they need a, a yeah. older wise man to. show them you know the ways and the thing is like i think fatherlessness can happen in multiple different ways you know obviously the the most obvious one is you know if a guy actually literally doesn't have a father or the father's not in the home but i think Mm -hmm. it also happens when fathers like um, for whatever reason perhaps dad's not saved or you know is not himself a mature christian and just you know Mm -hmm. abdicates that responsibility for whatever reasons you know um yeah that that's a form in a sense of fatherlessness at least a, a godly father figure um and i think this is why like like you said you know the elders need to to lead within a local church setting lead yes. example of taking mm-hmm. in younger men under their wings and let that be yeah. seen because it mm-hmm. needs to be an example
1: <laughs> yeah because i think a lot of men are curious yeah. in their own respective local churches you know how does how does this elder or this elder or this pastor whomever what i wonder how this particular church leader runs his home like what does he use to uh mm-hmm. disciple his family and family worship and you know like that kind of, like they're they're curious they, they they but they don't have the 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 proximity or the relationship there's no mm-hmm. there's, there's no initiation on either end I, and and i and i get that to a degree but yeah there a lot of men want to know um mm-hmm. like even he even what about this too um even when it comes to men who don't know how to stand up to their wives let's Mm. let's talk about that for a second Mm. um and a lot of that is like a man is able to uh a like dare i say use the term stand up to his wife um (laughs) doug wilson says the doug wilson says a man who doesn't stand up to his wife won't stand up for his wife Mm. um and i think that's i think that's true and Mm. i think but but i think a lot of men are unaware of how to stand up to his wife Mm i.e um even just how to call out sin yeah. But the problem is that in a lot of churches, um, the sins that are particularly found amongst the women in our church are amongst women in general, are not necessarily called out from the pulpit, but yet men's sins are frequently called out from the pulpit. Mm. And and therefore men learn how to call out men, but they don't know how to, they don't learn ever mm. um, just from a pulpit setting how to call out women. Mm. What are your thoughts?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, that's that's part of the influence, I think, of feminism within the mm. church walls. Like, it, it, you know, the church and Christians have to live within the culture. And we can't deny the impact that feminism has had on the cultural mindset and just the attitudes that we have towards the different sexes. Uh, and mm. they're just two, you know,
1: uh, <laughs> to <What>? clarify. <laughs>
0: but yeah like feminism has had like a huge impact in how um society in general has understood gender and its roles uh that that go along with that and even just what's taboo and what can be addressed like so for 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 instance you know the the fact that it's right now taboo that a man can't say anything in criticism or in you know constructive critique towards a woman Mm -hmm. and you know whatever it is just by mere fact that you know he doesn't share her same uh makeup right like that he's he's a he's a man that that's that's dumb i <laughs> just call it percent. Yeah. Like, yeah, like I, I don't have to be a fill in the blank to be able to speak into it especially if i'm speaking into it from god's wisdom um like not of my own imp- opinion but like you know we can speak into those things because god's word speaks into those things and likewise the the reverses should also be true that women can also mm-hmm. you know respectfully obviously speak to men as well and, and, you know, give helpful critique in, in those ways as well. One of the books actually that I've been going through with uh, my wife uh, is written by Doug Wilson's wife, (laughs) Nancy Wilson. And Mm. that's one of the things that she covers in one of the chapters too, right? Um, About, you know, obviously she's stressing, you know, the, the importance of the biblical model of women, you know, submitting in the home or being obedient to their husbands. But then also, you know, she, I was, I was really surprised that in that same chapter, she brought in this example of Abigail. Right. Mm. The Abigail had a, what less husband, <laughs> The man, like didn't know what was good. Right. And she had enough wisdom, right. To go in, really behind her husband's back to make that deal with, with David so that her foolish husband wouldn't get destroyed. Right. Right. Um, and you know, she just pointed out the shrewdness of Abigail that, you know, the, even though scripture calls women to submission and to obedience to her husband, it's not a blind submission. Um, and it's mm-hmm. always in in um, ultimate submission to God and to his word. Um, but, anyways, all that being said is yes, I agree. Like, you know, the, I think we really underestimate the impact that feminism has had to creep into mm-hmm. the church and just totally break down discussions, like healthy discussions that should be able to ha- happen between the two different sexes and how they're supposed to have distinct roles and also um, interact with each other.
1: Yeah, agreed. I think you're bang on there, man. And, and, Um, as you said, like just the idea of feminism has crept into the church. Um, and, and, and I mean, you were even, you were just even at the, the March for life, Mm -hmm. uh, rally a few weeks ago. And I I listened to your, your episode on that. And it was great. And you can hear the chanting and you hear the typical arguments, my body, my choice. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a uterus, you have no opinion, et cetera. Right. Like you hear Mm -hmm. all those, all all those kind of arguments and rhetoric and you're thinking, you're insane. Um, first of all, like. (laughs) for you to think that way, but, but that, that mentality is like, for instance, uh, if you don't have a uterus then you have no say, mm. and it's almost like that same logic or principled logic is, as has crept into the church by way of just to hark back to the point of, you know, women's sins are not necessarily addressed uh, mm. from the pulpit directly. Mm. And so what, what I, what I find, like just again, canvassing, the multiple, the many churches I've been through throughout my life, just realizing what they normally do is they start out, just start a women's ministry and say, women, you, mm. you, you, you address those issues now. Mm. Right. And, and it's kind of like the same. So, because, because, you know, it's, they're a woman um, to, to, and they, and because they're women, you know, about those sins. And it's, if it's coming, if these call outs and rebukes are coming from another woman, Mm. Then it should be okay. But but as a man, if I call you out, then it's it, you know it's violence, it's abusive, it's oppressive. Right. And you you and you start to get you start to tow this line of uh, this very destructive thinking in in the church, and and it ought not be so. Well, you, you, um,
0: if you give in to that narrative, you've lost at the outset, right? If yeah. you accept that that premise, because like that that just removes all all grounds for you to even speak into anything that you're not experientially part of yourself, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. So that premise on on its just on its face should be rejected.
1: Yeah, and now on on the other now on the flip side. So that's that's more so like okay, you know, we looked at the the discipleship not really being a uh, a huge and like direct man to man demonstrated discipleship sharing life, etc. We looked at lead pastors or elders, you know, even addressing women's sins and even demonstrating to men. Here is how you can do this biblically and lovingly and graciously. Mm. Um, but then there's the other, there's, there's, this, there's another aspect of this as well. Uh, like I, again, and specifically, cause I mean, we, we lived and we were, we were in talks every day, like normal, mm. but like during the pandemic, we saw a lot of churches do some pretty disappointing things when it came to the lockdowns, mm-hmm. right? Uh, we saw them forfeit the Lordship of Christ over his church. They didn't stand up. For the for the bride of Christ, they they kind of capitulated to to the to the demands of Caesar to, to mm-hmm. close down and so on and so forth. And, and a lot there was a lot of faithful churches in the midst of that, mm-hmm. right? A lot of faithful leaders and so on. And 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 praise God for those those leaders. But there was a lot of of leaders uh, of churches that that did um well not not mind you. I think every single church closed down in the beginning because we didn't know what we were dealing with. And mm-hmm. to be to be fair, but. We see this lack of desire, or I don't even know if it's a desire, if I if call it that, but there's a lot of churches across Canada that just did not stand up at all. Mm-hmm. And they didn't stand up for what was what was important, what was right, for for the fact that just simply standing up for the, the principled fact that no, Jesus is Lord. Of mm-hmm. his church, period, and we and and there was a lot of churches where we didn't get to see that lived out and demonstrated, you know, in in their respective um, local bodies, mm-hmm. right? They didn't get to a lot of men didn't get to see uh, their pastors walk in the line of, you know, I could I could lose my license here or whatever I can I can be in prison, I can get fines. Um, there's there's many other there's uh, many other pastors who we can think of who have experienced that. But uh, yeah, just, just again, the lack of demonstration of just being brave, being mm. courageous, being faithful. Um, and I think this is another area where pastors lost out on demonstrating to the men in their church, just mm. being courageous and faithful in that degree. And and, and as instead we just, just kind of, a lot of them just, again, not to be disrespectful, but roll over mm. um, on their backs and just waited for the state to say, okay, you can open your doors again, but mm-hmm. you have to have this many people, but you have to wear this on your face, but you can't do communion, but you can't sing. Or, you know, like there was a lot of, there's yeah. up and down and things changed. And again, this is just in general. Mm-hmm. Um, as we, as we know a lot of people, we talk, we have friends at different churches and so on. And, and we also just, you know, just social media, hearing things both here and in the States. Right. But it was mm-hmm. just a, a time where I feel pastors had a great opportunity to demonstrate something very, very significant mm-hmm. and important for young men, even such as us. Right. Yeah. And, and I think, well, that, you know, I mean, I think that, that was just symptomatic
0: of what was already our underlying condition, um, <clears throat> that the fact that, you know, families at home were weak in terms of, you know, uh, men and their roles and their leadership in the home, it's not surprising, then that that translates now to the house of God, the household of God, right? Mm -hmm. It it comes down to like the fundamental fundamental building blocks of a society, which is, you know, the individual and the family as the two primary building blocks there. And both of those are are in terms of governments, right? The the self government of self control and self discipline, being able to be a disciplined man in your own life. Uh, But then also within the family as well right like that's that's a family government as well and the the husband is given the the headship of that 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 family government so those bro- were already broken down in our societies and in our culture uh so it's yeah. no it's no surprise that when you know some sort of hard time comes and some threat is coming against the bride of christ that if the family is already broken down and men aren't guarding their their own brides it's not a surprise really that you know the bride of christ would be left open you know to to abuse that way basically
1: agreed definitely agreed yeah so i mean i like i said i I think we could we could talk about that more and more and more but uh, i think those are just some general observations well before we we Um, go on
0: like i think we need to give like a little bit of a positive vision like what would it look like for you know you had mentioned for elders and pastors within the the church to, to lead the way on that in terms of you know Taking young men under the, the the wings and discipling them and showing them what does it look like to be a, a man. Let's let's also talk about the positive vision rather than just only giving uh, critique, mm. which is needed. <laughs> what was, what yeah. would that even look like if if we were to dream of the ideal, you know, living oh. out of this? Yeah, <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Good question. I think <clears throat> I think we would definitely need. Uh, like I mean, I think a lot of churches do. You know, small like they have small group or home groups in mind. And I think that's great. Um, uh, first thing is for, first thing I I would say that if pastors and elders are not involved or part active, active members within those home groups, Mm. I think is a a disservice to the body because shepherding doesn't, is not limited to the pulpit. Mm. I think it's, 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 it's inclusive of all of life. Right. Mm. And so if you're going to, you're going to do life, um with people do life don't don't just seek to do it from the pulpit Mm -hmm. and so i think that that would be the first thing pastors and elders i think should be a a part of a small group um home group type thing Mm -hmm. um where they can really get a sense and feel for people at a level where they're not they're not on the platform they're not behind the pulpit they're not in exegesis mode but they're just living life and they're getting to know people personally and i think that you know a lot of pastors are able to do that but Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but it's very limited, especially in the high and by greeting before and after church kind of a thing that there's not enough time yeah. for any, any real meaningful connection. Yeah. And so I think, um, be, finding yourself in a, uh, in a, a small group, kind of a home group would be good if you're, if you're an elder and even just uh, a man in the church as well. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that's important because I mean, as we're told, you know, the older men, not just the elders, but older men in the faith should instruct the young men. And and likewise, mm-hmm. All older women instruct the younger women, right? Titus chapter two. Yeah. So that, that's that's really important. So that would be the first thing. Um, second thing I would say is to, uh, you know, just to plead with, again, church leaders to have a robust family ministry mm. um, where you can have, like, and, and you have good, solid materials and resources to A, offer up to the men and women in the church. And again, especially families, mm-hmm. not to, like, you know, leave the, our single brother, uh, brothers and sisters aside, but I, I really do think that the, f- the family is because everyone belongs to a family, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're married or not yet married, everyone belongs to a family. So I think the family is the largest ministry within the church, right? Mm-hmm. And weak families, um, just off uh, contribute to all, an already broken society and culture. And mm-hmm. so we, we need a robust, uh, family ministry. Um, we need uh, men and women learning side by side mm-hmm. when, where women are learning what godly masculinity and leadership looks like in men understanding mm-hmm. what godly femininity looks mm-hmm. like and and what what it means to be a a, a home worker and so mm-hmm. on and so forth and so yeah. um, and 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 even on to- on that
0: note too like something that uh you said to me that stuck with me was like you know reading those books together with your wife, right? Like, you know, read a a book on godly femininity together with your wife, and then you can learn also what what even that should look like and then vice versa that she's reading with you um books mm. on godly masculinity so that she knows what to look out for because like she's your, your biggest partner in your sanctification um yeah. and you know if if she doesn't know what you're supposed to be what's your role and how you're supposed to walk in that then like she can't actually help you in that right um she she won't know what it is to look for to submit to or even to to help lovingly correct and vice versa right
1: mm. Yeah. That's such a good point, man. Yeah. Mm. And that's, that's honestly been one of the biggest uh, contributors to uh, the success of my marriage. The first five years were tough. Mm. Again, a lack of, a lack of discipleship, a lack of being poured into uh, a lot of, a lot of lack of instruction and a lot of, a lot of space and room. To, well, as I'm not being called out for my depravity to be put on display. Mm. Um, but thanks be to God, you know, we found ourselves in a good church and started being shown certain things along the way. And I think really it was just my doctrine and theology needed to be, um, uh, flipped and turned around and corrected. Mm. Um, as you already know, my, my own history and where I come (laughs) from. So enough said there for now, but anyways, that was a big part of it. But then, um, you know, coming to a place of understanding, okay, I, I have to be the one in my home as a, as a man and as a husband to lead my wife like when Paul says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church like that the, those words just as like they, mm. they, they terrify me like, mm. husbands love your wife just as Christ loved the church those words just as they imply a lot because when mm. we look at what Christ did for the church Lord have mercy like, mm. like <laughs> that's 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 scary man and I know we're not called to be Christ but in, in a sense we're Christians and we're little Christ and we're called to be sacrificial yeah. We're called to be, you know, those those a prophet in his home. We're one who uh, represents God and declares the word of God in his home. We're called mm-hmm. to be priests, one who represents his family before the the the, the King of Heaven and Earth. Right? Mm-hmm. We, we represent our family as priests um, and a protector, one mm-hmm. who is willing to not just lay his life down, um, you know, or jump in front of the bullet, or as Bruno Mars says, "Who catch your grenade <laughs> for you," you know, but like. You know, one who is also willing to um, step up for his wife and protect her spiritually. Look, being on the lookout, being like when Peter says, "Husbands, dwell with your wives in an understanding way." Like, what does that mean? What's the implications? Mm-hmm. I think a man, every man, should have a PhD in his wife, understanding mm-hmm. that her also. Uh, her shortcomings, her areas of temptation, where she's weak, and mm-hmm. begin to shepherd according to those things, yeah. uh, not 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 just in general. And so, like this, these are ways in which men can
0: indeed one simple way on that even that note, right? Like within our culture of how men can protect and shepherd their wives uh, effectively is just what we were just talking about on femi- feminism. Like that has affected like, you know, culture and a lot of young women are caught up in many of the ideas that maybe they don't self-consciously think this way, but that it just seeps into the way that they understand uh, their own uh, identity and their roles as well. Um, But like if if men aren't even aware, like, I mean, I could ask like most average guys in a church, okay, define for me, what is feminine, feminism, like, and why is it bad? (laughs) And most, I, I'm pretty sure that most guys would not have a clue as to, okay, how do you how do you name this demon? Like, what, how, what do you define it as? And why is it even bad? Because it's, it's touted to us as a, a cultural good in our times where it's almost assumed that, oh yeah, you're a feminist, right? And it's it's assumed as that's a good thing. But I think like a lot of men don't even know the, the like what it is and what dangers it poses. So then when it like those ideologies and those ideas come in to their marriage or into the church or into even their daughters who are going to school and hearing these things, they don't know how to deal with it. Right. Mm. They don't know yeah. what's the danger to even protect uh their their wives and their daughters from.
1: Yeah, that's that's so true. That's that's really true, man. And so like, yeah, and, and I and I think that's that's where, like, coming into a place of men learning the importance the importance of discipling their wives, mm-hmm. um, and I think even I, I we touched on it earlier when we were talking about environment, uh, understanding understanding the times that we're mm-hmm. in, you know, yeah. and 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 seeking to give instruction uh, according to. I mean, was I think it was Spurgeon that mm-hmm. says when he preaches, he preaches with the Bible in one hand. Newspaper (laughs) and the other, other. yeah, and it's not newspaper theology, but he's but he's simply just being informed of okay, well, what's what's going on? What are the cultural Mm -hmm. struggles currently, and how can I bring a bring a robust Christian worldview Mm -hmm. um, and perspective on this that I might serve better uh, this flock that 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 God has entrusted me to shepherd? And I Mm -hmm. think husbands are called to do the same. We need to be uh, fully aware, and so, um, and this is part of what I mean. What what I believe it means to be a godly man, a, a godly mass, have it, possessing a godly masculinity, mm. and and being uh, courageous to address those things head on, mm. and not being afraid of the kickback. Listen, we we know we're going to get kickbacks. When 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 we when we address sin, mm. um, it's not it's not pretty. It's not fun. I know what it's like to be called out for sin. Mm-hmm. I have you to thank for that. Um, <laughs> <You're welcome. and laughs> but like and it's not fun, but at the end of the day it's it's mm-hmm. it's obviously sanctifying and it's and it's and it's God glorifying and it's and it's good for us. and so mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's not going to be nice. I mean, there's a reason why Paul says, um for we we have God's wisdom and the power to tear down strongholds. That word tear down, that's like mm-hmm. wrecking ball language, right? it's It's yeah. a painful process. Yeah. it's loud and uh yep it's destructive and Mm -hmm. so yeah of course we can expect there to be kickback. um but we but we should we should expect it both in the home and out of the home because sin well there's no respecter of person Mm -hmm. and it's going to affect us all in different ways and some of us just need to learn to deal with it but we would never learn to deal with killing our own sin if it's not being exposed and addressed in a god-honoring way with the power and wisdom of god's word Mm -hmm. um in general so anyways that that would be yeah. yeah, and that kind of br- brings t- up
0: the the point of like you know uh, this all can seem really really overwhelming to a lot of guys who this might be new to, um, because you know we're basically saying like you need to be an expert in your wife, you need to be an expert in God's word, you need to be uh, I wouldn't say necessarily expert, but aware of like what are the cultural trends and threats that are uh, you know potential dangers to your wife, your daughter, other women in the church, and th- those who God has put within your um, purview to to pr- to be a protector towards and Mm -hmm. that's that's a tall order um and i I just bring that up because i think a lot of times men today are wasting so much time on things that really are just trivial pursuits, maybe not sinful in and of themselves. Things like, you know, video games and whatever, like hobbies or or uh, fascinations that men tend to pour themselves into, whether it be, you know, excessively working on their car or whatever it is. Right. And again, not that those things are necessarily sinful in themselves, but you just you have a different outlook on um, the place of leisure when you know that you're in a time of war and that's that's the times that we are in and i think a lot of men are asleep to that that this right now is not the time for rest (laughs) now is not the time for for playtime and leisure but we're in a war um especially culturally especially in the west i mean everywhere obviously but i mean it's it's becoming more and more prominent now in the west and it just puts a different emphasis or a different weight on how you spend your time if you're in a, a war you're not All gung ho about oh man, I'm missing out on my Xbox. No, you gotta go on the battlefield, Mm. right? um and I think that's a a big part of it is that many to wake up to the fact that we're in a war. Like not that you know the leisure things are sinful enough themselves. God has you know blessed us with certain things to enjoy for sure, and there's a place for that. But it just has a different emphasis in your life when you understand the times.
1: Mm. That's that's so true, bro. Um, yeah, Second Timothy two comes to mind where. Mm -hmm. Where Paul talks about the the metaphor of being a soldier and how Mm -hmm. a soldier his his aim is to seek to please the one who has enlisted him and Mm -hmm. and I think that
0: yeah um, and he doesn't get entangled with civilian affairs he says
1: exactly exactly and I'm just thinking like you know these are these are the this is the mentality that I think um, for a long time I'll start with me that I didn't possess and I needed to be taught I needed to learn. And, and, and repent of old life that, that I was living. And, I, and that's the beauty of sanctification, right? It's not made, when you're saved and you're, uh, you're, 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 you're being sanctified, you're being made holy, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's not, it's not immediately perfect, but it's progressive. And so praise God that there's grace, mm-hmm. um, for these things and that he's not going to be like, Hey, what are you doing? You, you're not <laughs> up to par yet. And then slap, you know, you're not right our our god is not doing that and so Mm -hmm. you know rest rest well tonight men like but there is work to be done and we need to Mm -hmm. you know think think accordingly that we're we are in a war a lot Mm -hmm. of times we we don't realize that we're on a battleground but we live life as though we're on the playground
0: yeah right well i mean i think that's part of the command to just be (laughs) sober-minded is to think (laughs) straightly about what you know, discern what's your situation, basically. You know, we, we maybe tend to only think of that in terms of uh, alcoholism, right? And don't be drunk, which is definitely part of it. But being sober-minded goes way beyond just avoiding drunkenness, right? Mm-hmm. So, to be sober-minded means that you are aware of your situation and your and the circumstances around you. And yeah. I think like it, that's incumbent on men to be aware within the times and culture that we live in, like there are yeah. so many existential threats to um, the the people that got us entrusted to us to be protectors of, um, mm-hmm. you know, dangerous ideologies, like critical theories and like feminism, all of these like sort of postmodern sort of uh, ideologies that have seeped into our culture so much so that like they go unnoticed because they're just part of the lifeblood almost of our culture.
1: Yeah yeah no that's good that's good man um so yeah i i, I hope i answered your last question of yeah. what i would say uh well the last the last portion i was thinking and I, i'm curious to mm. to hear hear more from you as i know i you you you've put out uh quite a few articles on on eschatology and stuff like that and i know we've we've had our talks and stuff like that but um and this was kind of a last a last one that I didn't like to be if I'm being completely honest, like I've I've been thinking about this, but not as deeply as the other two points. Mm. But I'm then and that's so why I am curious to to hear uh from you as well. But the last point of being eschatology and which which helps to I think contribute to the condition of Christian men being weak. Mm. Um and I would say yes, eschatology has implications. It has its effects. It has its consequences, Mm. um, depending on, uh, what respective eschatological stance you're, you're going to you hold. And, you know, just with recent developments and changes in my own life, um, and seeing more clearly how destructive certain, uh, eschatological views can be, you know, one being premillennial dispensationalism as an example, you know, The view that the church is this helpless bride, in which Christ has to come back and rescue because she's like a damsel in distress, Mm. and we're kind of just waiting and so on and so forth. And I feel like, and 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 by the way, like I think you'd agree that most, well, I shouldn't say most, but a lot of Christians, just to be just be generous, have never actually been formally trained on their eschatology; it's kind of just inherited, like how mine was. Like, I was never formally trained and said, Tristan, here's what it says in scripture. Here's what you should believe about about final things, mm. you know? And, and I was never trained on that. Like, am well, I, am I, I think- was just kind
0: of... I think um, it's sad that, uh, yeah, I'd agree that in a lot of uh, conservative reformed sort of uh, evangelical churches, that tends to be a, a topic that's avoided a lot of times because, oh, we don't go there because that's divisive or, you know, we, we don't talk about that because, you know, it's a third order issue. You can you can disagree. You can have your own views and whatnot, right? Um, which mm. I get, like, it's not it's definitely not a first order issue. But I think because of that neglect, any area that we neglect to instruct people on in sound biblical theology that's the area that we're we're weakest and most vulnerable at Um, Mm -hmm. and the sad thing is that it's actually in churches that have that hold that dispensational premillennial view which i believe is is patently false Um, it's pretty recent in its pedigree Uh, it's only like uh, basically the turn of the 1800s really that it started to show up in you know, as a eschatological position. Prior to that, for 1800 years, church didn't believe in a secret rapture or anything like that. Um, Mm. Anyways, it's actually in those churches that hold to that aberrant uh, eschatology that are most vocal about passing it off to their congregants. Mm. Uh, So then what happens is like, we're we're actually living in a culture that's reaping the fruits of that, that the the dominant view within evangelicalism has become uh, premillennial dispensational because pastors and you know uh, uh, churches were just not like solid churches were not preaching mm-hmm. at all on it because they thought it to be divisive um yeah. this is where you know th- theology matters but eschatology also matters and that's part of yes. theology at every yeah. single area of our theology that we don't seek to bring in submission to god's word and in alignment with it that's the area where the church is going to be the most vulnerable and mm-hmm. i think the weakest and we're seeing that played out
1: yeah that's, that's so good, man. And I'm glad you, even, even just that little brief, like introduction to premillennial dispensationalism, like it's not even rooted in, in church history, um, but as a recent, um, idea and it's, and I think you, you coined it right. It's, it's an aberrant, uh, belief, uh, within the, es, uh, within eschatology. Well, even um, what you,
0: you pointed out, right? Like, so what I think is very interesting about the pre-mill you know, sort of that's shorthand, by the way, for, <laughs> uh, position is that it ends up postulating a double rescue of the church yeah i i thought christ came once to rescue his bride and that was Mm -hmm. accomplished at the cross resurrection and ascension
1: well, that's so, what i thought <laughs> like this this whole idea that you know
0: the church now is like you say this damsel in distress that's always going to be losing and you know never able to slay that dragon really never able mm. to really you know accomplish the mission that christ gave her which is to disciple the nations it it leads to inevitably the fact that well she's going to need to be rescued again <laughs> yeah
1: and that and that's true and i believe that with with that in mind Mm. It leads to a lot of spiritually impotent men, right? Yeah. It, it really does. I mean, in fact, because this this so-called secret rapture that so many believe in this, like, 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 like yes, the, there's, there's many in the church that believe it, but I'm, uh, today we're talking about men and so i talk about men. Mm. Men who believe in this. And again, I, I don't wanna say all men, I, I think mm. that would be unfair, but a lot of men who believe in premillennial dispensationalists uh, dispensationalism um who believe in the rapture men already have a uh, uh, or can have a very passive nature mm. right and 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 so in light of that, I feel that an undisciplined unlearned untrained guy who believes in dispensationalism who is immature in his faith already struggles with passivity I feel like that particular flavor of eschatology feeds into in a negative mm. sense his passivities because it's like well the world is going to hell in a handbasket anyways. It's, it's, mm-hmm. The world is ending. Why, why polish the brass on a sinking ship? Why, why rearrange the deck chairs, so to speak? Why be yes. involved when we can't do anything anyways? Mm-hmm. We're, just, we're waiting for Christ to come to rescue us mm-hmm. uh, from this from this evil age. And they live to dwell in this uh, kind of this, this Gnostic existence, you know, well, it's, uh, it's out, out piet- of this world.
0: It's a pietistic retreat. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it, it's really what it is, and so I do feel that that this type of eschatology, yeah. specific in in particular, premillennial dispensationalism, emasculates men. It, yeah. I, I believe it, it. I believe it does because it is a it is an eschatology that will kind of cause you to have a ball and chain. It's going to have you to stay mm-hmm. at home, to be unstained from the world, mm-hmm. to not really be involved. Because really uh i i like just in some of my readings and even some conversation and, and, and like different things i listen to you know you you hear of people saying well you know those darn uh post-millennials are trying to change the world and don't they know that the world has to be, get or worse in order for christ to come and how dare mm-hmm. they try to slow the process down and it's mm-hmm. like wait a second what, what like what is that i, I <laughs> I thought we were supposed to reject evil. I thought we were supposed to, you know, push back, you know, mm-hmm. like, what, what is this? We're we're supposed to be the ones on the offensive, not the defensive. Right. Right. Yeah, we're, I mean, the, we're like, we're, I
0: mean okay. that's what, what Christ says in Matthew 16, I think, right. That the gates of hell won't prevail against His church. Gates are defensive. That means that the church is implied to be on the offensive. Uh, and I Absolutely. think like, you know, what you're saying is bang on in the sense that like, you know, that's sort of a, uh, uh, eschatological framework it, even though there are the blessed inconsistencies, right? I think it is inconsistent that there are some um, faithful Christians love the Lord, love, you know, his word, love the gospel, who will be very urgent in, you know, trying to, to win people to Christ and, you know, if missions and so on, like, we're not at all discounting the fact that there are, you know, people who hold to a premillennial uh, eschatology who work actually very hard for the kingdom um, with mm-hmm. a, a sense of urgency. And in a sense, like their, their eschatological disposition brings that urgency because it could be at any moment return of Christ. Um, they're like, okay, we need to do all, all our best to get as many people saved. Uh, it, but the analogy, though, is that this the ship is sinking and we need to get them into the life, ro- life raft out of the ship. Right? Mm. so there's still not a whole lot of impetus to, to do anything to help rescue the ship really, <laughs> the ship is going to go down anyways, right, um, mm. and I think the disposition that it leaves, it doesn't leave men with an attitude of let's go take that hill boys, like it yeah, leaves them yeah. instead either with like you, what you're describing, the pietistic retreat of like okay well my job then is just to to keep myself unstained from, from the world and just wait until I get beamed up out of here and to try to take as many people as we can out of here, right, it's, it's kind yeah. of escapist and retreatist and yeah. it typically is not a, a, a theology that leads to a lot of um, motivation towards okay, there's these hills. We need to take that. We need to storm those goodness. gates. Yeah, we need to storm yeah. those
1: gates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We 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 need we definitely need more men who are like, mm. yeah, let's storm those gates, let's 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 take up arms. Let's you know what I mean? Let's 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 go take the minion like we mm. talked about earlier in the first point. Yo, you and know, that's, let's go. That's, let, let's go be image bearers of God. Let's go absolutely. do that. <laughs> and that,
0: that's the kind of thing that that men respond to. There's something in every guy that wants to do that. We want to. We want to conquer something. We want to conquest. We we yearn for dominion, right? Yeah. And like, if you have a eschatological outlook that doesn't, that that believes that there's no way you can have dominion, so why bother try? It, mm-hmm. it like you said, it doesn't. It, it emasculates men. Like, and they're going to yeah. end up like they, that energy has to go somewhere. I think like, you know, not to blame. Um, at- eschatology uh, give eschatology all the blame for like men's passivity but it's something that can feed into it right um yeah. like, look at like the epidemic that we have of young men who are just obsessed about video games and what's what's mm. the usual types of games that they're playing is that they want to conquer something whether if yeah. it's battlefield or you know call of duty or whatever it is they're trying to win yeah. some epic battle they want something to fight they want something it's a to.
1: it's a counterfeit
0: dominion right Absolutely. They're, and they're conquering
1: something right and it, and it kind of in a in a and it's not a lasting way, but they're kind of mm-hmm. trying to fill that 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 glass or reservoir that that's in them that needs to take dominion that need that has this mm-hmm. drive to to dominate to defeat. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because as as image bearers, like we yeah. and especially as, as Christians, like yes, we serve the ultimate dragon slayer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in a way, we are lesser dragon slayers, and so therefore there's there's a need mm-hmm. I believe in us from when we're even young. To want mm. to conquer, like I, you know, you're already, you're God kids, you know. Mm-hmm. My, my, my boys, bro. Like the first thing they do when they go outside, and they find a stick and they start charging, God <laughs> knows what. And you, and it, like I look out the window and I see Aaron yeah. running back and forth, ah, and he's like, you know, he's <laughs> screaming out of place. And then you'll see him and Marcus charging at each other with sticks, like they're. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and ask, I'm just looking at them, like, wow, like it's in at such a young age. Yeah. These you didn't have to teach boys, them that
0: they were born with. Yeah. That.
1: Yep. They were born with this innate nature to mm. run headfirst into, into danger. danger. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you know, and 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 again, again, back to environment, back to ecclesiastical. Mm. Um, like there's there's this without those things are not fostered mm. and uh, uh, nurtured and pointed. Like I think that a boy's energy, mm. a boy's imagination, a boy's aggression needs to be pointed mm-hmm. um, toward the mission, which is. Dominion. Mm -hmm. Instead of giving him redline and telling him he's too uh, he's too rambunctious, he's too loud, he's too this, he's too that. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. We need to take that which God has naturally put there. Yes, Mm -hmm. discipline is necessary, and we need to teach them appropriateness and so on. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, though that 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 God given aggression, that energy, um, that 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 um desire to be in the face of danger, Mm -hmm. um, all that needs to be pointed. Um, and and in particular at the mission that God has given each and every single one of us yeah. um and that includes offering those boys even at a young age you know that that yes at the cross yeah Christ's bru- uh, heel was bruised but Christ crushed the, the head of the serpent he slayed the dragon mm. right and that one day the how the word says that he will he will he must stand here and rule until he's made all of his men, enemies to be under his feet, right? Mm-hmm. And then he'll then at that point hand the kingdom over to the Father. And mm-hmm. and we get to be a part of that. We God has called us to be a part of this mm-hmm. by helping to expand the kingdom rule and reign of Christ to to declare His lordship over every sphere. I mean, that's what Colossians mm-hmm. one, right? Yeah. Or the thrones, or powers, or dominions, visible, invisible. Mm-hmm. He is the head of it all. It's for Christ, through Christ, by Christ. It's, mm. it's all there. And and so like, yeah, just giving, giving the boys this way of thinking, uh, man, like it's so, it's so funny to see them. Like when I came home, yeah. like one day during family worship, I, I was struggling with them. I said, boys and, and the girls as well. It was all, it was that family worship, mm. uh, and I talking to them about how even they now are part of the covenant of works, right? Mm-hmm. The, the, the first covenant that God even made with Adam, the work. And I said, like, as kids, I said, you know what your covenant to work is right now? Is, is, is particular to your context. I said, you have the covenant to work through school, through, through uh, your house chores. And I said, you also have a ministry, according to what Paul says in, in Ephesians six, children mm. obey your parents. I said, you have the ministry of learning and mm. obedience, right? And so I said, you not only have uh, your own contextual, you know, uh, dominion mandate to, mm. to bring order to chaos, whether it be to a math equation mm. or to your bedroom, but also you have a ministry towards your parents too. For, and that's of obedience and learning mm-hmm. um, and, and just giving them this perspective. And I, I'm telling you, I've seen such a, 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 a shift and a transformation, even in Marcus, who, mm-hmm. who, who seems to be so like introverted at times, he's shy, whatever. But mm-hmm. now that he's this young man who has a vision, a mm-hmm. biblical vision, even for his age, he can run with because he knows I'm running mm-hmm. to, to, to honor God in this right even jen tells me throughout the day like i've seen such a growth in 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 marcus and Bro, I've especially seen him I've seen you that. know
0: like marcus has totally changed um yeah. from the shy little boy to yeah now he's he's come in into becoming a man you know a star yeah, boy yeah. but you know uh that that's really cool to see yeah, sorry i just wanted to, to to like put in one other thing on the eschatology thing uh mm. as well i think like sometimes people think of eschatology only as having to do with that final day, that last thing, like, yes, Mm. it it does mean the study of last things. But inevitably it involves all of history because uh, eschatology deals with how do we envision that we get to that last day, every Orthodox Christian um, affirms the same thing about those, those last days that, you know, Christ is coming back and he's going to establish his kingdom and reign forever and like usher in the eternal state. And that there's going to be the general resurrection of both the just and the unjust, like those, those are our core core things that you have to, you know, affirm to be a Christian or uh, Orthodox one anyways. Um, mm-hmm. But, your vision of uh, your your theology of eschatology determines what. How, how do you think we get there? Like what's the process towards that? So by mm-hmm. definition, e- eschatology now sets your expectations and also sets how you live for the future. Because if you believe that we get there by, you know, cr- the church keeps going is 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 doomed to keep going down and down and down, and then Christ comes back at the last moment and just nukes the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't really set you up to say, okay, well then how should I plan in light of that? Because well mm-hmm. then I should probably get a bunker. <laughs> right? um, whereas if you have an eschatology that kind of tells you, okay, well actually no, this narrative leads towards gospel progress, then mm-hmm. now that sets you up to think, okay, well I need a plan generationally because potentially. Yeah. It could be like centuries, maybe. I don't know. But I need to set up my kids well. I need to set up my grandkids well. I need to set up my great, great, Mm. great great grandkids well um, Mm. for inheritance. Now you've got motivation towards leaving a legacy and an inheritance and thinking long-term. That also affects, I think, how churches plan. A lot of modern churches are just in the moment. And I think that's even reflected in how we build our buildings. Back in the day, Mm. in the Puritan age, uh, and and even earlier, they built churches out of materials that would stand the test of time. That's why a lot of them are still standing today. (laughs) The way we build Mm -hmm. our churches today, like, you know, a gust could could blow them away
1: (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. or
0: or they could be repurposed for something else. That's another way that I think we betray our eschatology in our church buildings, even that you build it in such a way that, oh, well, just in case things go bad, we could sell it to some, you know, wholesaler or whatever, and they can turn it into a warehouse. Yeah. Right. Whereas old churches were built in such a way that, no, there was a definite purpose this building was made for because we expect this to stand for centuries and only be used as that. Mm. (laughs) That's a statement in your building even that, Mm. no, no, this is the purpose of this and this needs to stand. Uh, yeah. So this, all this, just to say, like, yeah, eschatology orients us in a certain way with a certain disposition towards how we look at the future and planning for the future, and that's important for man, for men, you know, because we take the lead in that, in leading our families, leading ourselves, leading our churches, our societies. The way men think about planning for the future is inevitably going to affect the future.
1: Yeah, bro, that's so good, man. That, I, that, that's such a really good point. Uh, I'm so, I so agree with that. Um, one of the, one of the things that <clears throat> I read. From actually Andrew Sandlin, uh, he says he mm. says that um, our eschatology starts and is informed through our protology. Protology is just essentially what we believe about uh, the beginning, uh, mm. creation, et cetera. Uh, he says, yeah. So what you d- d- depending on what you believe, why God created the universe and what God is doing in the in creation today, um, even based on Genesis three, the promise there, mm. um, where you know that 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 yes, the the seed of the of the woman will come, her offspring will come, and 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 crush the the, the serpent. The seed, uh, and 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 that would be essentially the end. But that's that's that informs our eschatology, and that thus that yeah. informs the rest of of the narrative in scripture and how we are living today, yeah. based off of what's happened uh, in the garden and in and and in, in the promise given in the Proto-Evangelium, et cetera. So mm-hmm. anyway, I'm just, I'll, overall, I'm just, I'm agreeing with you. Like, I think it's really good. It, it's, it's it's so important for us to have a better understanding to go and get be, get informed, read some good books, listen to some good podcasts, mm-hmm. um, find find someone. And, and listen, uh, in fact, I, I, I believe you have something coming on the pipeline soon for uh, a, a podcast on eschatology, but you've written some fantastic articles that will help young men and young women to, to be on forum just in, in, in talking about Matthew 24. Mm. Those are so helpful guys. If you're listening to this after this podcast, go and find those articles. It's on Theotivity. Go, go read them. Uh, they, they will help you understand mm. uh, a little bit more than what you, we might right now. Yeah. Anyways, that's, yeah. that's kind of my take on this, but no. what, what would, sorry, you go ahead, go ahead.
0: No, thanks for the blog. Um, yeah, definitely check out those articles. And yes, I do have, a. Uh, Plans to do. Uh, I think I'll probably do that actually as a video, a um, a vlog cast, just so I can have slides and stuff up to help people. Because uh, I want people to see from scriptures themselves, you know, what um, what is compelling about this particular eschatological view. But also would in, encourage people to look at other, um, you know, uh, theologians and and ways of looking at it. Because for me, like growing up, um, I grew up in a very dispensational sort of church where that was all I knew. I thought that was just how it was, right? That was that was the air that, so to speak, that we broke we, we breathed, right? Um, right. Uh, and like, until you know that there's other options and other frameworks of ways of looking at scripture on this, like y- your your mind is kind of closed off and you, you don't even know what you don't know sort of thing. So I'd encourage like people to also look into like other millennial positions, such as like amillennialism, this historic premillennialism, and then obviously this postmillennialism. And, and the reason why <coughs> I say that is because I think as you look into them, you are also, um, you know, pairing that with your Bible reading and seeing how these comport with scripture. Which one can make the most most sense of Scripture without having to jump through loops, without having to twist the text to say something else other than what it plainly means? Um, and I think like that was for me one of the most compelling things about where where I ended up landing. And you know it's still a process right now, even uh, mm-hmm. figuring out all the details of my eschatology. But I think that's really important because we we're, mm-hmm. never, we're until we do that, we're not aware of the lenses that we have on as we approach a text. But as you Start to read from other authors, other people who have a different framework and are looking at scripture through different lenses, it makes you also more aware of your own lens, even if you don't adopt their lens. And I think that's healthy because it, it gives you an opportunity to self evaluate now. Okay, well, is this actually the best way to make sense of this text?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's so good, man. I, um, bro, I want to ask you this time around because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost home and I, and I don't want to leave before I, uh before we do what we've been doing mm. what kind of advice would you give under this category of the the ease that i've given of environment ecclesiastical not already uh, eschatological what what kind of education or advice would you give here
0: yeah i'd say like if if a man hasn't really looked into it and has put it off or thinks it's unimportant uh that i hope that this has inspired them to, to see that, no, it is. It's not obviously important in the sense of you lose your salvation if you have the wrong position. But it does affect, I think, quite significantly how you live out your faith and what you expect, too, of um, mm-hmm. what's to come, right? It's going to even affect, like, bro, I've talked to guys in our church even who have put off um, having kids because they're so convinced that the rapture could happen tomorrow, <laughs> Like yeah, yeah. that is that is that's affecting how they live today, right? So eschatology yeah. is 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 important. It's not ultimately in an ultimate sense, but it is very very important and significant. It's gonna affect how you, what's your disposition, your outlook, your the way you plan your future and so on. So I'd encourage men to see, okay, this is important. I need to figure it out, right? um And mm-hmm. don't think that you're on your own. There's lots of great resources for that. And like I said, read widely. I'm 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 open. Um, proponent of like you know if something is true it should stand up to questioning so you shouldn't be afraid of questioning your own eschatological position because if it's true it'll stand up if not then you know you need to rethink it um so Mm. read from other thinkers and see which one makes the most sense Weigh we all the arguments. And yes, that's going to take work. Sorry, but yes, it takes work. And, but that's a good thing. What? Uh, <laughs>
1: work?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I think like, part of the problem within men is just like we're lazy. <laughs> Myself included. Mm-hmm. Like, that's part of our sinful proclivity as men is that we're, we're, we're going to be um, tempted towards passivity and laziness. Right? Uh, mm-hmm. But as a man, it, we're designed to work hard. And you should work hard. And that includes not just your yeah. job, but also your theological discipleship as well, too. Um, so I'd say, yeah. Well, what is it? What is it? else?
1: What else does it mean when we're told mm-hmm. to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind mm-hmm. and strength? Yeah, right? absolutely. There needs to be. Uh, I think that we 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 commit intellectual sin when we approach God as if He's not the God of all wisdom mm-hmm. in a very half-hearted way when we don't apply ourselves. In very particular ways, and way, again, I think we we need. I, I, don't, I don't think I know we mm-hmm. need to know our faith. I mean, we won't be able to as as we're called to in First Peter three to to mm-hmm. give a reasoned defense for the hope that it's within, within us, or as Jude says, mm-hmm. to contend mm-hmm. for the faith once and for all, uh, given and delivered to the saints. Mm-hmm. We won't be able to do that if we don't have. Uh, for, uh, if we have not, first of all, applied ourselves and taken the time to understand and learn and yeah. grow and develop a robust Christian world and life view. Um, we won't understand how to uh, lead our churches, how to rebuke a brother, how to comfort a sister, mm-hmm. whatever it might be, the Christian life and worldview, uh, God's word, it is comprehensive. Mm-hmm. It's It's profitable for mm-hmm. all of life. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I, yeah, Absolutely. apply yourselves, guys, apply yourselves.
0: Even, even to that point of giving a, a reasoned answer for the hope that's in you, part of our hope involves eschatology because we also, that's what we hope for. That's, that's, that's mm-hmm. the, the part of theology that tells us of what to look forward to, right? So yeah. I think even in the task of Christian apologetics, eschatology matters um, as well, yeah, uh, because that's yeah. Part of the hope that we have to give a reasoned defense for. Um, in terms of like uh, just practical steps, I think um, this can all be you know, overwhelming to a lot of guys who are hearing it for the first time. So I want to also assuage some worries because uh, like, you can kind of hear all of this and throw up your arms in despair. Uh, you know, play the long game. Uh, I think like sometimes guys would That's hear smart. something like this, uh, especially yeah. if they're young and, and, you know, zealous and whatever. And think, OK, tomorrow I need to know all of this stuff. <laughs> it's not going to happen that way. Um, play the long game on this, but make a plan. Right. I think like sometimes we, we hear this, this sort of thing, you get excited and you start off all fiery and maybe you read like try to blitz read one whole book or something tonight, but then you lose steam. Mm-hmm. Right. I think you need to play yeah. the long game and have a plan be like, OK, for this year, I want to read these books and this is how I'm going to divide that over this year right and like put it in your calendar and just have a, a time that's like okay this is my time where i'm reading right and you'll be surprised yeah. how much you how much reading you'll actually get then even if you start off with let's say an hour or two a week i'm not even talking about mm. a day but if you did mm. that like you would you go through quite a bit of books within a year and that's that's doable yeah. for a lot of guys like put away the xbox for an hour that's okay
1: <laughs> right? uh,
0: bridge, um, bridge. <laughs> so I think like just giving really tangible, practical and achievable goals is, is helpful for guys because uh, until we do that, it can seem like too much of an insurmountable task. Right. So I think take it mm-hmm. one step at a time. Um, start small. I think there's some good resources that you can find uh, some that just come off the top of my head. Like Ligonier has a lot of great resources. Yeah. American Vision has been very helpful for me uh, on the eschatology mm-hmm. front. Uh, there's guys who, who have great, you know, YouTube stuff as well, too, like Gary Demar and Jeff Durbin. Uh, they've been very helpful in helping me think through these things on more of a post-mill side of things. Uh, on the r side of things, like Kim Riddlebarger uh, and Greg Beal uh, um, has also been really helpful with that. And they bring some insights as well that have been helpful to me. And it's good to, like, hear these different points of view, weigh them out. And then, like I said, check it with scripture. Be a good Berean, right? Don't be lazy. (laughs) Don't just like believe like what the guy on the TV is saying, right? Because honestly, I think like a lot of uh, folks who buy into the dispensational system is because of that. They're just trusting what the guy on the TV, whether it be John Hagee or, you know, Tim Leahy or whatever uh, to to tell them what the text means and yeah. they just trust yeah. trust blindly. Oh well, then you know this guy's got the PhD. He 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 must be right about this. Meanwhile, when I ask them like personally, okay, you show me from the text how you get there. They don't know, right? Um, and I think you need to know how does this person get to their conclusion. Um, that's no. part of, of it. And I think it'll be self self evident. Like I said, if it's true, it'll stand up to questioning. But yeah, just good encouragement. There is just. Start somewhere, take a long view, practical steps, check out some of those resources. Uh, there's more resources on the site. And yeah,
1: that's that's wise, bro. That's that's wisdom right there, man. I I, I agree. One thing I'll add, uh, because mm-hmm. I don't think there's, I mean, there's probably more you could add, but I don't think to this interview that you gave, I, I, I think it's, it's good. But this one thing I would say in light of that you choose a book, you, know, you choose a timeline or whatever, but mm-hmm. guys, be accountable tell someone else of your goal mm-hmm. and what you want because here's what happens it's so easy to promise yourself the world but if you're the one that has to deliver then you're okay with disappointing yourself and letting yourself down right mm-hmm. because we're, we're we're prone to give ourselves excuses and the past and excuses and whatnot so uh, i would say it, it just find one of your boys and just say hey like this is my goal Mm. Um, can you keep me accountable, you know, check on me in a month, see where I am with this book. Mm. Just, just do that. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and you'll see, uh, I think that's so important just to be, and even ask somebody, Hey, are you reading something right now? you want to mm. read along with me or whatever the case is? I think that's, that's helpful too. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, to do, to do with, with, uh, with a brother. Um, I think that will be just so fruitful and mm. edifying for the both of you as you can grow in parallel lines and encourage mm. one another in the faith as you go.
0: Mm-hmm. that's good that's good well I think that's a uh, you know probably a good time to wrap up on on this long mega episode <laughs> people must be yeah, wondering man, man where you <laughs> driving to this man driving to Florida
1: <laughs> dude that's that's the legit <laughs> traffic bro it's traffic I'm telling you oh man, yeah. no, man it's, it, it's been fun bro thank you so much mm-hmm. for having me actually it's actually I have it's one more thing too.
0: I have one more thing to, to add to this yeah. Just on the topic of weak men and just like how to not be a weak man, basically. I think like we've talked a lot about just the the, the importance of intellectual discipleship and those sorts of things, but um, I don't think there's going to be any progress in like true progress in the f- faith and like uh, without also sanctification in our purity as well too as men. Uh, yes. I think that's that's huge. There's a lot of guys who um, are just not... not continent like they're not able to master their own body and their own desires and passions and stuff right and you can't it it just doesn't work right like if if you're if you're trying to you know grow as a man uh and and as a godly man particularly yes obviously all the intellectual stuff uh and studying and all those things they they matter a lot too but it has to go hand in hand with us developing um self-control like with our own bodies okay. and I'll let you know, yeah. guys fill in the blank on that. You know what I'm talking about. Right. But, uh, that, that's really important too. Yeah, uh, I that's think facts. that's a source of war of a lot of the weakness of men. Uh, because if yeah. you think about it this way, right, like that gives ammunition to the enemy, right. Mm-hmm. That you know, if you're a guy that, that can't, control your own urges, right? <laughs> like if, if let's say, if even you were to um, achieve some level of leadership on whatever, and then that was to come out, what would that do to your your ministry and your reputation and stuff? And we've seen that's that astounding. happen, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So I think that has to be paired together as well as just the call to, yeah. to personal holiness tied together with all of these other things that we talked about.
1: Yeah, that's good, man. I think that's such a good point. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, that, that would be, I mean, it, it'd be a shame to miss out on that, but, um, you know, as Paul Washer said, he's like, if you, as a man, have not even been able to master self control, mm. and you're just that, you're still looking at porn and you're whatever doing things like, you know what he says, you haven't even, you know, reached the first rung of mm. Christianity. You know, it's a very, it's something that goes along with immature Christianity. Mm. You know, um, it's a sign of immaturity and and adolescence, uh, spiritual uh, laziness. Um, and whatnot so yeah that's that's good man that's that's good i appreciate you bringing that up yeah
0: i mean that could be a whole other uh episode but which maybe we'll do that
1: <laughs> yeah
0: i think that's also another pressing issue for men but yeah
1: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah no for sure that's just good
0: cool all right man well drive safe the rest of the day
1: <laughs> yeah i'm almost home so yeah yeah, yeah.
0: thanks for listening to the D podcast If you found this content helpful or edifying, please leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, follow us on social media and consider sharing this episode to help Theotivity reach others as well. Check out Theotivity.com for resources, info on how to support, and subscribe to our monthly newsletter to stay up to date on all the latest content. Until next time, live and create to the glory of God.